The reason they're winning is because they believe it. Yeah. The reason they're winning is because they believe it. They, they absolutely believe what they are selling. Even if they don't believe it, they believe they're at a different moral high ground than we are. Pastor James Coates here. We hear questions like, is this the right hill to die on? As if obedience is optional. Is this persecution? As if that is even relevant. Or what about our testimony in the culture? As if the world didn't already hate us. <laughs> I just thought that was great. It is. Yeah, you know, that's at, that yeah. is. Because we, yep. we've uh, spoken those exact words to each other. Yep. You know, Everyone, is this the hill yep. to die on? Is this, you know, yep. is this persecution? What about our testimony? Well, <laughs> as if obedience is optional. Right. It's not optional. Right. Right. The verse that I quoted last week in episode one, where really I just gave an introduction and rehashed uh, the, the message on Timothy mm-hmm. that I kind of thought fit well. But Ephesians 5.11, take no part in the unfaithful works of darkness, mm-hmm. but instead expose them. Right. And that goes along with what Vody said. We have to be clear. We say we're for the gospel and we're for the sufficiency of scripture and we're for the supremacy of Christ, which are all good things. But when we're being attacked by a particular enemy, by a particular ideology, it is not enough to say just what we're for. We also have to say what we're against. Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at and kind of where I want to take the direction of this podcast is people need to hear not just what we're for, but what we're against. And we need we need to speak up against it. I, I loved this in Jude 1, 3. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Mm-hmm. So he was going to talk about the common salvation, right. but instead he saw the need to talk about contending for the faith. Right? So good. You know, Second Timothy 4, too. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. Acts 13, 9 through 10. Then Saul, who was called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked straight at Elymas and said, You are a child of the devil and an enemy of everything that is right. You are full of all kinds of deceit and trickery. Will you never stop perverting the right ways of the Lord? So we, we can speak out. Yeah, I got, I got another one. Ephesians five seventeen or 4, 17, I'm sorry. It says, now I say this, testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. We are to testify. Right. You know, right. Testify doesn't mean we just only speak within the walls of the church, uh, within the walls of our home. We, we should testify that to the hills, to everyone, you know. Amen. Isaiah 58, 1, cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. The dude from Good Monsters, which is a Christian husband and wife podcast here in Kansas City. Uh, I'm hoping to get together with him soon. I want to have him out for dinner, even invite him to church or something. He's a, he's a solid dude. And he's, got a, yeah. he's got a solid beard. So, so you a know, solid beard? Yeah, so you know he's a good dude. Yeah. We were just encouraging each other to speak up to speak speak the truth and not in a yeah i I told him i told him that you kind of quote or uh termed the first season as sweater vest yeah he liked that he thought that was pretty funny yeah 
I definitely see a need for the rougher side of preaching the truth, especially now when evangelicalism seems to be characterized by the softies. We need some collective backbone. Well, yeah, I think the conservative Christians and air quote side seems to struggle with the idea that progressive secularism somehow now have the moral authority. And we struggle with the idea that that now how how all of a sudden are they the moral authority and and creating culture, uh, creating the direction of the culture and policy and everything else. You know, they're no longer at the fringe. They're they're in. They are in your living room every night in that black box that you stare at that's where they are right they control a majority of the media and now all the tech giants suppress or completely censor conservative and christian viewpoints i read an article the other day that they believe that 90 some odd percent of the christian content and conservative talking points that are on facebook are created by chinese and russian bots seriously seriously so i mean which i wouldn't doubt yeah i I don't yeah and one of the things that most people don't realize is when you're on facebook and if you use the app or even if you're just using it which i don't if you see (laughs) that it's sponsored that it's facebook is pay to play yeah on how many eyeballs you're going to get on a post right and so if you see sponsored on what you're posting, that means that someone paid to put that on Facebook. So there is a dollar amount you can pay. And as long as it doesn't get flagged as offensive, so it literally is just Christian me self-help Christian memes and talking points that are generated that we put out there as, oh, this is exactly this is this is what we need right now. And that's not. It's that's not that's easy believism. Right. It's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So when you talk about backbone, I just, I am on Facebook, but I'm mm-hmm. like dead silent. I like, yeah. I comment on some posts every once in a while. And normally it's in, in a comic relief type sure. standpoint, yeah. you know, I try not to waste as much time on that, but I, I still find myself spending hours watching fail videos. Yeah. You know, at well, times. I mean, who doesn't yeah, like yeah, a fail yeah, video? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but my time is better spent doing something else. But I guess my question is, is as our opinions are suppressed and censored, why do we keep, why do I keep going back to this? Well, why do I keep going back? And I think that's a, that's a question that we all, if we're supposed to be doing battle, should we really be going back to that? Well, you know, you probably do do this because I do this on Instagram. You know, I, I do peruse posts and things like that from some conservative you know every time we've said conservative we've used air quotes here right but i'll go i'll go in and i'll look at the social media posts and things like that to see what is wrong so i don't really i don't necessarily you know you talk about going to the well normally when you think about going to the well you think about going to the well for sustenance for water for you know to quench a thirst i don't go for that reason but i do go on to social media to kind of see where things are at to kind of get a gauge of of where things are at uh, particularly in the minds of again quote conservative christians and I oftentimes leave feeling very uh, dejected that's my reason for, for going back to the well is to kind of gauge where things are at but i don't comment i don't correct you know i, I see people like uh like daryl or virgil you know, people like that, uh, Owen Strawn, and man, they'll get right up there and respond to somebody who has 5 million followers, you know, and somebody who's a CNN anchor or something, they'll respond and say, no, you're wrong. Yeah. This is what the Bible says. This is why you're wrong. 
you know, and they'll get thousands and thousands of hate responses, yeah. right? But they said it, you know, yeah. and that, so that's kind of where I'm at is why are, why are we continuing to be quiet about it? Why are we continuing to, or we only talk about it within the four walls of the church or within our families? I just, I man, I'm, I'm just, I guess I'm just tired of pretending like it's okay. You know, out in the world, I pretend like it's okay here in the four walls or with my family, you know, I'll, I'll say, no, this is not right. You know, and this is why, but out and out in the world, I just pretend like it's okay. I just don't think that's right. I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the point now where I just kind of want the world to hate me. Is that, is that weird? No, I, I, I think we should. I think if the world looks at you and they don't see that you're different in some way, now the world hating you can come in a, in a lot of different, in a lot of different ways, in my opinion. But I, I, I think if the world looks at you and they don't see something different and they see you as just one of the crowd, I think that's a problem. You talked about, you know, Virgil Owenstrand, all those guys that are out there on the front lines and who I really do think are, are doing the work that God intended and called them to do. I'm in a position where I'm at. Like if I went and did something like that, if I went in and, and I, and I commented on, on a post that there's a real possibility that I would lose my livelihood very sure. quickly. You know right. what I'm saying? Right. And it like, there's a risk by being on a podcast that if uh, we come down too hard on something and for whatever reason that goes viral or that's heard by the wrong person suddenly now, yeah, I would, I would probably have to fight for my job at that point, but that's, that's perfectly fine. I'm okay with doing that. But I think that is the, the risk reward out there for people is everybody looks at that differently. And I'm not, I'm absolutely not saying we shouldn't go and try to be hated by the world. That's not what I'm saying. As long as we're doing that suffering in the name of Christ, mm -hmm. not, not suffering because Michael or Jeremiah is suffering. I think that's one of the things about the Coates family that has been so refreshing to see even through their suffering and persecution that they've gone through they've always turned that back around to christ everything i've read oh, yeah. all the quotes i've read from them they understand why this is happening they're not they're not going why is this happening to me even paul in ephesians 4 therefore i'm a prisoner for the lord Paul was in prison at the time. He was in prison because he was preaching to Gentiles. He didn't believe it that he was in prison because of something a government had done. He understood it to be he was in prison for the Lord. Yeah, I think that when we can find joy in that, when we can find peace in that, yeah, I, I think our walk is at a different point, you know, yeah. and that's that's awesome to see. I'll be honest, that that worries me at times. It concerns sure. me at times, you know. Prison doesn't scare me as much as getting burned at the stake. That just sounds like a terrible death or something. It does. You know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think we, we need to look to be hated by the world. Yeah. Um, well, the world already hates us. Yes. You know? yeah. oh, that's, right. That is just so obvious. Right. White evangelicals are, are, the, right. are the target of this whole culture war. Yeah. I'm sure that that is because of the attack of the enemy, the yeah. prince of the power of the air. I guess my question is, is uh, we've approached this in the last 18 months with this idea. And I think this is um, the evangelicalism that is the wealth and health and prosperity gospel ahead of that, which, you know, really, it's just naturally progressed to this. The idea of Trump 
and evangelicals now being melded into one. Yeah. And wouldn't you say there's a lot of ignorance in that movement from a standpoint of a lot of people that fall into that category, again, a a stereotyped category, but there is a contingent of that that believe that they are running from ahead or coming from a position. They don't understand that they're not fighting the battle from a position of power. They're fighting an uphill battle. I feel like that has been one of the biggest things that as someone who was a Reagan conservative, like who grew up as a Reagan conservative has really struggled with the idea that we are not winning. We're not the popular opinion, you know, like the idea of a coexistent moralism doesn't exist anymore. There's a polarization that has happened. Polls suggest that the country is actually more centric than it's ever been in its, in its existence, but the political left and right are, polar opposites yeah when did christianity or or religion in general your religious identity become attached and not even attached but become your political identity when, when did religious identity become political identity i think it always has been that way in the west the biggest difference is europe's just 200 years ahead of us on all of that 300 years ahead of us on all that if you study history in my opinion the secular revolution happened in France while we were going through our revolutionary war. Mm-hmm. Right. And so we're, we're just, we're at a different point in, in the history of this country. And we're seeing that that wasn't bloodless either. You right. know, that was not bloodless either. And so my concern is we're headed that direction. But we're catching up quickly. Very quickly. Yeah. Very, yeah. very quickly. It's, it's no longer two or three hundred years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, 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 here. but that's what months. I mean. What, what's going on in this country right now happened 200 year plus years ago yeah. in France. Yes. When it, became political. Mm-hmm. I think forever the conservative view has leaned towards family values. Yeah, sure. And so it just has lined, it has lined up yeah. with our belief system. Not saying at all that God is not a conservative. God is God is not a Republican. <laughs> right. God is not a, a, God is not a, 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 a Republican. Well, I don't think God's conservative either. Yeah. Right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, no. Jesus is Lord. And for so long, we've been comfortable in the conservative point of view. Right. That, that goes along with our core beliefs, and it's easy. So maybe there's a, maybe there's a tear, yeah. there's a tearing there. You know, there's a tearing happening there in the conservative belief and the biblical belief, right? Because I'm going off what Jeremiah was saying, and of course, I'm seeing this too. You know, you commented on the. Gosh, I almost cringe as hard when I see something from the left as I do when I see something from a MAGA post. Right? <laughs> right? I do. Right. So so when when did Trump become the savior? When did conservative Amen. when did when did the right Amen. become the right path, the right the the beacon, you know, the the light. That is not Trump is not the light, the savior. You know, the conservative views are not the, the, the right is not, the word of God is. So there there is a tearing there. And I think that's something, at least for me, that makes me feel more isolated or like, like an, an island now because right now so many people are clinging to their political identities as well as their religious identities. But our identity is in Christ. Mm-hmm. It is in the word, mm-hmm. not in, right. in the right, not in the conservative. 
but and this is probably all a ploy from from Satan himself, maybe, but to to categorize one or the other. I don't I don't know. I'm, I'm I guess I'm I'm uh, going off off topic there. I don't know that you are. I echo your sentiment on MAGA because I'm all about make America great. That's that's awesome and and American exceptionalism. I, I'll I'll be the first to admit that that I I do I am a patriot. I am proud. Well, can I correct you a little bit there? It's not make America great. America is great. Right. Well, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's and that's something that I'm I, maybe maybe it's not maybe American for America first is yeah. probably what I'm yeah. about. Right. That being said, though, even when you say when I say that out loud, then I cringe and go, man, that's not. That's actually as a Christian, I shouldn't yeah. have that attitude. Yeah, you know right. that that that's that's not patriotic, right? And that's the struggle as true Christians. That's the struggle we all should have with that statement. At least that's the struggle I have. Maybe we shouldn't all have that. I don't know. That's that's where God convicts the heart. I think we sir. So one of the questions that I I ask as Christian, our hope is in Christ alone, right? And this is a question. Our hope is in Christ alone. So does that mean? that we just stick our heads in the sand and we read our Bibles every day and we go live our lives and we don't partake in a lot of the things that society is partaking in? Or should we take more of an active role? Because they are. Because because the opposite side, the godless side, is actively marching in the streets for right. their for f- to kill babies. Well, see, now I think you're hitting on my point. Yeah. Right. Right. And, and I'm tired of, as as Christians, having our hope in Christ, having our heads in the sand. So I guess my question is, is should we go be activists? I don't know the answer to that. I think activism is important in a free society. But the question I have is, do we live in a free society? Right. You know. And then, of course, Ephesians 5.11 expose them yeah right yeah so maybe not march in the streets i don't know if we're there yet uh maybe we are you know i don't i'm not opposed to that i don't think if it's for the right cause but i i do strongly believe that we take our heads out of the sand and that we expose the darkness i've lived my entire life i guess my adult life with the position of being Mm pro-life okay and I feel like right now, the way things are stacking up, the power that the conservatives wield in this country right now is pretty much through the judicial branch right now. Yeah. The, the highest court in the land sets firmly in conservative hands. And that is, I think, the one and only balance. And this is completely not a Christian viewpoint. Okay, this is a, from a, this is a political statement that I'm about to make. And we see how the left is just, they're just losing their mind over Texas heartbeat law, which in my mind is a logical, it's, it's not even logical. It's still not logical. No, it's still not it's logical. It's still not logical. It's a, but it's it, a, it's a good first step. It, it's, I mean, it's it a, absolutely it's is. A I, I am, I am a, I am a Roe v. Wade is, has nothing to do with the constitution, has nothing to do with anything. It is a, it is a crock. Yeah. And it should be completely thrown out and smashed and never thought of again. That's where I am. But what does the world look like if we wake up next month and the Supreme Court continues to degrade Roe v. Wade? Yeah. I don't know that there are enough Republicans that really care that much anymore. We were so jaded because the other side has come completely. I've always said, what is the catalyst for complete and total unrest in this country? Because we've been moving that direction. We're all still getting three square meals a day. Right. We're, we all still have money in our bank accounts. Right. 
you know, the amount of suffering that's going on in this country is minuscule, comparatively speaking, when you look at the global. So there just hasn't been a catalyst in this modern age for any kind of shakeup. We're moving more and more towards that. Is that the event that is the catalyst that says we are going to go march in the street because we do believe in this. We do demand this. You know, we are going to go and say, no, this is the right thing. We do support this as a people. And then my question is, how many people are you going to get to come out? Because I think we are more educated, more informed now as a people than we ever have been. And we waste it, like I said, on hours of fail videos and reading opinions that are similar to ours that don't broaden our thinking. We don't critically think about things anymore. We don't critically format our discussions about things that are not agreeable. And the pro-life position, there is an entire industry that is made a living off of that. Let me go back to your question. I think it was a question or statement. Is that we go march in the streets over, is that the catalyst I don't know. Are you talking about from a right political point of view or are you talking about from a Christian point of view? Because if you look at it, and of course, you know, this is not on the news, but if you look at Paris, we're on week 12 of 50 to 80,000 people marching every night, you know, in Australia, you gosh, look at the thousands upon thousands of people in Australia. Not all those people are Christians. Those people just don't want their their freedom uh, taken away from them. They, yeah. they don't want to be forced into tyranny. So again, there's that separation between the Christian stand and the political stand. And they're bleeding together, but... Yeah, it goes back to what I said, what I was saying earlier is I think as Christians, we should facilitate the resistance. That would be a good shirt. Facilitate the resistance. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to the cargo <laughs> guys about it. <laughs> The reason I say that is, is we have something that is bigger than all of these issues. Right. Amen. And that's the gospel, right? Amen. And so that is what changes hearts and minds. Yeah. Right? That's the only thing that changes hearts and minds. I'm going to stop talking because I think I'm you talked a lot. dominating the, but it was good. The, the conversation here. Thinking about Tyler's message. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. And the cross is foolishness. Yeah. Right. To right. those who are perishing. Yeah. You have to have to look out there and these people that think the cross is foolishness, you know their their destiny. And certainly I think as as Christians we have looked to government, we have looked to politics too much. Mm-hmm. Amen. For the advancement of our comfort. Right. Right. Yes. Amen. As opposed to looking to Christ looking to his word, looking to his commands that we are supposed to be obedient to Amen. and live our life in accordance with, with him for his glory. That should be our main purpose. And so even, even politics, even freedom is not our goal. The right. lordship of Jesus Christ is our goal. You know, I have never been in an abortion clinic. I'm pro-life. Sure. Am I pro-life in name only? So yes, we do need to be involved. We need to be out there speaking, definitely. The government does not give us our freedoms, right? right. Correct. The founders understood that. Yeah, yeah, amen. Amen. You want to down- say that again for the people in the back? <laughs> <laughs> the they government it, does not give us our freedom. It doesn't. It doesn't. Mr. President. <laughs> 
And no, we as, as believers, we're caught in that trap, thinks that it does. But right. we, were, we were endowed by our creator. Paul wasn't thinking about his freedom. No, not, not at all. Not, right. not at all. About, right? And so we do speak up for the atrocities in our society, for all the way from abortion to people being forced to get this jab because Caesar is not Lord. Right. Jesus is Lord. So yeah, we need, we need to be out there and proclaim to these people that they're perishing because the cross is foolishness to you, yeah. that, that, that this Jesus is, is foolish. Right. You're in this destruction. Right. I know it's not a mouthful like Jeremiah's, but... Uh, well, a lot of Jeremiah's though, I'll be cutting. Yeah, that's fine. I, you're trying to keep me out of trouble. Right, right. I, I, I think uh, I, I read it was a pastor talking to other pastors that that people are looking for truth right now more so. So preach the gospel from your pulpit. Being in the church for all of my adult life and all of my as a kid and almost all the way through my adult life, maybe a two year span where I was drifting. One of the catalysts that got me back into a church really was 9-11, right? Was mm-hmm. was the, what happened on 9-11. And because at that time, one of the things that wasn't really thought of was we, we, were, we really were living in a bubble uh, yeah. prior to that. Maybe not so much for your generation, Dan, but for me and Micah's generation, up until that point, I feel like we, we were really, we had seen prosperity all through our youth sure. we never wanted for anything you know? honestly never had a care in the world yeah yeah and and then i think that was a that really shook those generations now we've quickly we quickly settled back in we, we to, have forgotten yeah we, right. we, we quickly settled right back in but churches were full after that they were full after that And I wonder as this wave of tyranny that is sweeping around the globe and and in especially in Western countries at a level it's never been, has the church's position in culture degraded to the point that we won't see an influx of people coming to the church? Because I think that was why there were so many people going to church after 9-11 was they had held the government to this high standing in their lives that yeah the government is big and we were shaken you know so at that point they went to the higher power and appealed to a higher power right and i witnessed that you know there are probably some that the lord used that to bring them to him sure no and and so is this the same thing but my concern is has the church degraded its position so bad in culture or has culture degraded the position of the church so bad in culture that people won't turn to that? And then they'll continue to go back to the government and go, well, it's better just to go along with this because, you know, then I can keep my job and I can live in my comforts right. and, and I can still buy food and I can, you know, I can still go wherever I want. I have the freedom to travel. Comfort creates complacency. Yeah. Right. And it does. When we are when we are comfortable, we are complacent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to be comfortable. Right. I don't want to be comfortable because seeing myself here now not being comfortable. And like you said, praise the Lord, the, you know, the persecution that we are facing is really more of a perceived persecution right now. It is not an actual persecution. Yeah, it's a threat of. Correct. Unless something changes, uh, you know, we will see persecution. I believe that. 
But right now, it's a it's the threat of persecution. But even that is enough to strengthen, to encourage the believer to be in the Word, to be in the local body, to be in prayer. Yeah. So I don't want to be comfortable. So I don't know if that's part of my desire to expose the darkness, as uh, Ephesians five eleven says. If I'm feeling that call, or if I'm just feeling uncomfortable, but that discomfort is good. I don't want to be complacent. Yeah. The world is a violent place, yeah. regardless of what we think, regardless of, of how we live and the level of comfort that we have lived in, in all of our lifetimes is astounding. And the world is a violent place, not just in times of war. The world is a violent place, even in times of peace. We see that all through the word of God. We see violence. There's a lot of people that will point to the Garden of Gethsemane and Peter pulling out a sword and Christ telling him, you know, put that away. Context, I think, is super important at that point, right? right? Christ is preparing to do the will of his father, of the will of God at that point, Right. right? Right. I don't believe that we as Christians have a responsibility to sit back and let our children be taken from us violently or aggressively. I don't believe that we as Christians, if witnessing a violent act, have a responsibility to turn the other cheek. I believe that Christian men should be men of action and be ready to act if need be. The thought process that we live in such a civil society that violence is never a possibility will get a lot of people killed. <laughs> yeah. Because if you don't believe that there aren't others that are ready to do violence and you believe they won't kill you, you're sadly mistaken. We see the murder rate up 30% yeah. in this country in this country in 2020. There's a reason for that. Violence exists and we just don't see it because we do live comfortable lives. So that's my take on violence, but we're not to go enact violence correct is it all narrative because there is a narrative that hitler was a devil an evil man mm-hmm. you know and he killed millions there are people who would contend with that but those people are idiots <laughs> you know uh, but the narrative of abortion is that it is you know because it's legal because it's, accept- it's, it's, acceptable. it's acceptable yes so is the question a moral one or is the question a legal one I think both. Yeah. I, I think both. Probably because where, where was the church at the Holocaust? Silent. They turned a blind eye. Yeah. You know, it, they were marginalized very early on in the Holocaust. And, and then they went along to get along and they, they actively turned a blind eye to that. But that existed in every country. You know, the, when Hitler was coming to power and, and waging war, you know, he didn't start by going after France. The first place he went into was Poland. You know, I mean, he went, he went into Poland. He wanted Poland and, and, and Austria. He took Austria first and then went right into Poland, you know, I mean, and said he wouldn't, and they were appeasing right. him. And, and uh, even, even before he started moving his army it was it was the propaganda the pro- propaganda oh, abs- yes. absolutely right, right? Yes. and so and well so- and, and the night of the long knives i mean he took power he didn't take power legally he wanted to but he didn't because he was involved in an insurrection early on and someone got killed and he was like that could have been me he was standing next to that person and so he he literally was like from now on i'm going to come to power legally because it's safer you know it wasn't it wasn't because he was worried about the rule of law he was worried about self-preservation that's why in the end 
he created a criminal organization that helped him come to power in Germany. And then overnight, he literally came into power and there was no looking back. And it had happened so fast that the church probably saw it coming, but they didn't have any. The church, just like the modern day church, is not equipped to deal with that. Is it our responsibility to deal with that? If we believe in the sovereignty of God, I don't know that it is. Right. Because God raises up leaders, evil right. or not, or right. not. Because just as we're talking here, you can see history repeating. Yes, with the propaganda, mm-hmm. with the powers being taken, we we can see history repeating, and we can see the church behaving much the same way. So, bottom line, it's it's the proclamation of the gospel. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. And, yeah. And it, so it's so if we're persecuted for that, right? So be it. Amen. Amen. Uh, Christ is still about building his church. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's going to be built through the proclamation of the gospel. Right. Yeah. I mean, we're not, we're, we're not soldiers. We're not right. an army. Right. We're not, this isn't a movie, you know. <laughs> right. And, and, but we, we don't, uh, we, I don't think we should be silent Correct. about the unborn. I don't think we should Correct. be silent about the, uh, the tyranny of right. this present day situation no it's not a place to be silent we need to be speaking out against that subservient to the proclamation of the gospel amen right because of christ building his church because these people that say that that cross is foolish they are perishing right and they're they're not going to be removed from that condition unless they hear the gospel right It's a hard heart thing, not a hard heart, although it could be a hard heart, but it is a difficult heart thing to reconcile the reason for speaking, right? The reason for exposing the darkness, because we want to, like the song, like the Chevelle song with Benson, I want to fight, I want to prove I'm right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is what we want. And we could even, we could even mask that. I'm talking about myself here, so I'll say I, I could even mask that as a godly response but in that responding that is sin because that is not what we're called to do we're not called to respond to prove that we're right or to respond out of anger or out of frustration or out of any of these things we're called to respond by proclaiming the word so it is a hard issue how you respond or why you respond i think we're responding as purveyors of truth we're responding to aid those who are being oppressed which i don't i don't think is wrong correct we're, we're not responding to proof that we're right to win the fight right we're responding for the innocent right whether that be the baby or that uh, young man that's trying to support his family right. and now being fired because he won't get a get a shot right he won't put something in his body that he doesn't believe should be yeah yeah and so and so we we do we do come i I do believe that we're called to come to his aid and the baby's aid that's all part of it that in and of itself is not building the church that that in itself is is a heart of compassion right for these people that are being persecuted they are being persecuted they are being persecuted uh what is going to change these tyrants heart is God's sovereign grace uh, through the proclamation of the gospel. Why should I sorrow anymore? I trust a Savior slain and safe beneath the sheltering cross unmoved. I shall remain.
Let Satan and this world now rage your now allure. The promises in Christ are made immutable and sure. The oath infallible is now my spirit's trust. I know that he who spoke the word is faithful, true and just. He'll bring me on my way unto my journey's end. He'll be my father and my God, my savior and my friend. Nothing on this earth near nor out in the universe far No created thing could ever separate Or tear us apart He who promised is faithful For he has saved So who could reverse it? I could never, no, never Doubt his So all my doubts and fears shall wholly flee away And every mournful night of tears be turned to joyous day All that remains for me is but to love and sing And wait until the angels come to bear me No, no.